is witchcraft real? And regardless of if it's real, is it harmful? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, official, uh, I think, 10th level Dragonborn wizard, uh, according to my D&D campaigns. And with me, as always, is my meticulously magical co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, and witch hunter. Oh my goodness. (laughs) He hunts them to give them great deals. It feels like somebody... Wants to sell me something? Yeah, I do. Um, I just I've I've been playing a lot of video games lately, so I feel really cool, and I just thought that would work. <laughs> well, you know, it it it, it you, you audience to decide whether or not uh, that 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 works. But uh, yes, um, welcome everyone. Today, oh, we are discussing. Wait, what? What do I? What do I normally do here? Oh yeah, today we're discussing. Okay, I forgot how to do this podcast. How long have you been doing this? Well, that's really fitting because today we are discussing whether witchcraft is real or whether it's harmless. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy our conversation and want to engage with more of our content and be fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.world where they can find out more about their hosts and it's there they can send us all of their love and hate mail. They can also go to the online private Facebook group, The Overthinkers, where we have thousands and thousands of overthinkers just like you getting to great discussions, talking about all the fun stuff we talk about here. If you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review and sharing with a friend. It really does help us so very much. Yes, and thank you all for supporting us because we are still, and we are going to keep reminding you of this, so grateful to be an award-winning podcast now. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. This is something I uh, wake up and tell myself and I go to bed and tell myself. This is um, something I tell my wife all the time. It's just (laughs) to be appreciated for one. (laughs) So yeah, no, we thank you so much uh, for, you know, enjoying all the stuff we do. And yeah, uh, where this is our last episode of Spooky Month, so we're fun. Uh, we're having fun talking about spooky topics, and this last one, of course, is talking about uh, witches and witchcraft. So, uh, ready to get started, Nathan? Let's do it. <laughs> Great. So, witchcraft is defined by Britannica as the exercise or invocation of alleged supernatural powers to control people or events. Practices typically involving sorcery or magic. Witchcraft of some form or another, appears to have existed in all times and cultures and is prevalent around the world even today. According to History.com, one of the first references to witchcraft is in the Bible, both in its prohibition against witchcraft in Exodus 22.18 and in the first Samuel, where Saul asks a witch to help him speak to dead prophet Samuel. Today, potentially 1.5 million people in America identify as a witch or identify as part of the Wicca religion, a version of witchcraft that was either discovered or largely invented by Gerald Gerard Gardner in 1854. Witches and witchcraft have always been the subject of intense controversy in the West and in places touched by Christianity and elsewhere. The Bible explicitly forbids witchcraft, and most Christian societies have banned the practice, only one example being the famous witch Salem witch trials. After the Enlightenment, sentiment shifted in the West towards witchcraft, seeing it again as simply made up nonsense by Christian and atheists alike. 
That said, belief in witchcraft and its harm still persist. During the height of the Harry Potter craze, many Christian parents refused to give, you let their kids read it for fear that it would get them into the occult. Celebrity, just recently, celebrity Kat Von D re, uh, pronounced, excuse me, got baptized as a Christian after renouncing her use of witchcraft. This taboo is especially pronounced in non-Western countries, where belief in witchcraft remains far more mainstream. The main opposition leader in, I'm going to get this wrong, uh, Seychelles, Africa, was recently suffered a scandal over being charged with witchcraft by the police, which he denies and claims is a political show to taint his image. The Gospel Coalition Africa explicitly warns Christians against engaging in witchcraft, claiming it deceives you into thinking that it helps you while instead enslaving you to a toxic relationship with a demon. Others, however, argue that witchcraft is at worst harmless nonsense, or as The Guardian called it, the most benign of all the silly religions, and in some cases can be deeply positive and empowering, giving you greater control over your in own uh, internal and external life and empowering you for political activism, and that our biases against witchcraft is a hangover from our Christian past and our society's continued fear of female power, as discussed in the Atlantic article, Why the Rise in Witchcraft. So, Nathan... Where do you stand on witchcraft? Do you believe it's real? And if it's not real, does that mean it's harmless? Great question. Um, I think I probably answered this question in my opening uh, bit. Uh, I think Witch Hunter should really uh, give you my position on all of this, <laughs> but just to make it more clear. Uh, so I, I come at this from kind of a uh, interesting perspective because I was raised in Christianity, and I was raised with a, a strong religious connection and tradition that was around me my entire life. So I I have been informed about and thought about these things from very early age. You know, I was young. I was right in that target age range when Harry Harry Potter became a thing and blew up. And I remember the conversations happening around this. And, you know, uh, I, I had grown up on Narnia and Lord of the Rings. And all of a sudden, Harry Potter bursts onto the, 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 the stage. And it was interesting because... All of a sudden, all the Christians who loved Harry Potter, uh, who loved Narnia and Lord of the Rings were scared of and had a real big negative reaction to Harry Potter. You know, I heard things like, if you read this, you're going to invite the occult into your life or it's going to send kids down this terrible path where they're going to be, um, you know, uh, invited, you know, just headed towards the darkness and terrible things are going to happen. Um, I, I don't know that there's a lot of evidence that that did happen. Um, so so I, I kind of, in, and since then, I have done a lot of research. I have done a lot of um, thought and and educated myself on a lot of different areas in sp spirituality, and one of them being witchcraft in general. And what is this? And why is it so hotly debated? Why were Christians so crazy scared of Harry Potter? And it, was there any reason to be? You know, is this harmful? You know, uh, today there's still like there's a whole side of the internet like on tiktok there's an entire side of the internet it's called witch talk and there's like i, I don't know how many I'm, I'm guessing um but there's thousands and thousands and thousands of witches who get on there and do cantations and spells and people are re really into it um and and so it's kind of interesting to see that this is still a really prevalent thing within society um that a lot of people have strong opinions about the christians are like this is dangerous stay away from it and a lot of the hyper religious are and then uh you know you have another side which is like you should totally jump into it it's great it'll give you make you powerful and there's all sorts of great stuff you should do with it make make you even good and moral and then i'm kind of this third position and i was going to say where i actually don't think witchcraft is real and 
I think it's harmful. And so I'll, I'll, I'll explain myself more the the the, um, the podcast, um, but I think there's some good reasons to believe it's not real while still saying this is not something we should engage with. Um, but so I will cut myself off here and I'll kind of jump into to um, my reasons as to why I think it's both fake and harmful uh, in a little bit. But Joseph, I want to kind of hear your um, connection to it, your understanding of it. Was it because you grew up in a religious world? What were what was your context for all of this and the conversations that we're ha having? And most of all, what the people really want to hear is, were you one of those terrible sinner kids who read Harry Potter? And is that to it, does that explain why you are the way that you are? Um. Well, so there's a lot of questions there. I did not expect to be put on the hot seat in quite this way. Um, but to answer your question, uh, I did not, I was not one of those sinner kids that read Harry Potter. It did not have to do with the witchcraft thing. Um, it was, it was whole funny, like, you know, again, my, yeah, I did grow up in a very religious household. I was so religious. Both of my parents were ordained. Uh, <laughs> um, and my my family, you know, we very into, like you said, uh, what's the, what's it, Narnia and Lord of the Rings, all of which feature wizards and magic in it. And we're very into that. And when Harry Potter went on to this, came on the scene, you, we did hear about the, you know, many of the Christians being like, oh, this is, you know, this is witchcraft and therefore it's bad. My mom was kind of like, eh, that doesn't matter. I mean, again, we have it. It doesn't seem like she read it. It's like she read it first like the first book and she was like this i mean like this basically just seems like kind of what they do in you know narnia and lord of the rings we ended up not reading it for like and for a lot of other reasons that kind of are unrelated but yeah i my context for witchcraft growing up was sort of this thing where because there are because there are a lot of parts in the Bible, or at least there's there's a couple parts of the Bible where they talk about witchcraft and they tend to talk about it in a way that's acting like it's real. Like, for example, First Samuel, where they actually resurrect a ghost of Samuel to talk, and they kind of act like that's actually a real thing that's happening. There are things like that that it's like, okay, witchcraft is a real thing. And we say, okay, we hear stories from other countries that say, oh, you know, here's a thing that's happening that it seems fairly like it's wishcraft. So I kind of accepted that it's a real thing. But on the other hand, it wasn't very relevant to our lives or our theology. It was kind of like, if you go into that world, bad stuff will probably happen. But if you stay out of that world, you're going to be fine because it doesn't actually have a real tangible effect on your world, particularly if you're in Jesus Christ and a Christian and stuff like that. So there was this idea that it, ex it probably existed out there, but it didn't really have much relevance. So I, but again, I do did would find it interesting watching the cultural changes of, and I, I would see the, as a sort of a cultural observer, how as society got more secular, there got to be more people identifying as witches. And that fascinated me. That always fascinated me as okay what is this representing this certainly seems like it's representing as people get rid of one kind of faith people just can't stand to be atheists <laughs> at least large swaths of the population can't stand to be atheists they seem to want to believe in some spiritual thing 
to believe in. And so they go for that. And, you know, it's, you know, revenge of paganism. You know, once Christianity starts to recede, the old pagan beliefs come back. And so that was always fascinating to me. And of course, and then I've gotten into more conversations with people, you know, Christians who really do believe that it's a very active and real thing that has real power and, and had more conversations with people like that and have read more people who are, you know, pro Wiccan and stuff like that. And so I, I, so that's, been something that's made me interested in this topic. So yeah, I, I'm a sort of middle ground about and of two minds of my belief in it. Um, but uh, but yeah, let's let's go with you first. What 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 are the reasons that you at the very least start out, what are the reasons that you think it's probably not real? Yeah, so it is interesting as I'm thinking about this we're talking about this, these two different camps right you have the secular camp that is um or, or maybe not even quote secular but you have the people who aren't christians and there's a whole swath of them who believe this has power and what they have in common with the christians is the christians believe this has power right and um there's a very few amount of people who um who kind of are like well maybe i don't know how few but they're who are involved in this conversation at least who say no guys it's not real um but um but most of them say it's not harmless I'm over here, you know, unique as usual with my own <laughs> <laughs> of uniqueness saying, no, it, I don't think it's real. And I and I do th think it's harmless. So I'll start with the why I don't think it's real. Um, and, and I'll talk to some of the, you know, I'm going to talk a little theologically here and biblically, because I think that's important. This is yeah. the context I'm from. And it's, and it's one that, you know, I I believe I am a I'm a self-professed Christian. I believe in this stuff. You know, call me crazy. That's fine. But I do believe in it. So, well, you know, it's right there in scripture. How could you possibly say that it's not um, real? You know, uh, it, there's literally a verse. I can't remember where it is. But it's like stay away from mediums and witches and all that kind of stuff. It's going to harm you. And I guess I've always read that, particularly um, recently, as I've done more study into kind of um, just the whole breadth of the Old Testament is to is that verse implying that it's real or is it implying there's a reason to stay away from it, regardless of its reality? And so I guess the way I kind of read that is the same way I would um, read how how uh, uh, in the Old Testament, God talked about staying away from idols, right? It's not so much that the idols had huge power. It's not so much that the idols were going were gonna to compete with God um, for power. I think the only power that witchcraft and the idols had weren't so much an actual realized um, uh, measurable power, but instead they had the power to draw your gaze away from God into something else. And typically, if you look at the idols, if you look at how people use witchcraft, if you look at people worship idols in the kind of ancient days, what it was, was very often a way to get power for yourself by manipulating um, these particular things, be it idol worship or witchcraft. Often uh, the, the two are combined. And so I think what we see here is and I would hazard guess that witchcraft isn't so much God, you know, him saying stay away from it, isn't so much him worrying about, oh my goodness, it's going to bring all these, uh, this power in your life is going to be so, you know, uh, so real and you're going to have to fight. No, what it is, it's, it's, it's drawing your attention away from him to something that you can control and bring power in your life. It's a way that you can be God of your life. And I think that that is congruent with what God asks us to stay away, be it witchcraft and idols or be it, um, or be it money. I think that God is always saying, I want to be at the center of your vision. I want to be the center of your world. And I want to be king of your world. And if you follow me, your life will be better. And witchcraft 
slash idol worship was a way in the Old Testament that people were trying to go about get to get power to uh, to control their lives, to control others, to get the things they wanted without having to go to God. And so I think that um, for me, that's how I read those passages. He's is I read them and I take them seriously, but I just think he's saying them for a different reason than we have ascribed um, meaning to him in the Old Testament um, and the New. And so that is, that's one thing. I don't think it's real theologically. I think there's there's a lot of explanation um, there to say, I don't know that the Bible does imply that this is a real, actual, measurable power, but instead it's a distraction. And then two, okay, let's, let's take it um, not just theologically and biblically, but let's look at the actual evidence in the real world. Um, uh, I hate to say scientifically, but let's look at the scientific evidence. And there is none. Um, it's interesting. There's a recent, there's a guy on, on TikTok and he's a skeptic um, about uh, of witchcraft. Um, he's kind of skeptic of everything, but we'll focus on the witchcraft for now. But he he issued a challenge. Um, he he mocked uh, witch talk, and he he uh, very you know funnily, but also crassly and and rudely. But he mocked the entirety of witch talk, where all the witches are on TikTok. And he said um, you know some insulting things. But his challenge was you know cast your spells. Uh, put cantations over me. Do whatever you want, um, and let's see. Let's see how much power you really have. You really have. Turns out it's been like six months now. He's made a whole channel of this, by the way, and he's blown up. Nothing bad has happened. Um, he continues to tell jokes, um, and and they sit over there. The these quote witch witch witches on TikTok, and they're daily casting spells at him. They're daily, um, uh, 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 you know, putting cantations and and reading things over him and nothing's happened. You have no power here. And um, so, you know, there is a com comedic element here, which is interesting, but I also think there's one noting that, you know, this thing that we've been told to be so scared of because of its real um, power in our life, couldn't even touch a guy who wasn't even a Christian, by the way, he's not even a, he's not even a believer, did nothing to him. And so I think more than anything, what it shows is not so much that the danger of, um, Believing in the believing in the wrong thing that's real, but rather believing in the wrong thing that's fake. That this is a waste of time for these people, and they're putting so much hope and effort and energy into something that ultimately has no efficacy in the real world. And I think that's what he showed. But also, if you actually look at throughout history, and, and Joseph, you you mentioned and referenced the Salem witch trials. There's actually no evidence that any of these quote witches um, ever actually did anything. Uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, mad, that their magic ever accomplished anything unexplainable. Um, and in fact, what it ended up being, and this is why we get, where we get the word witch hunt from, is it was all fake, but they, we, but they, the whole town still got, you know, up, up in a tizzy over it, um, over an imagined um, power that, this, that these witches had, um, even though most of them were falsely accused. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's really little data to show that witchcraft does have any power. Now, um, I have, you know, been around religious communities for a lot of time and, and I've been um, told over and over again, if you do yoga, you're inviting spirits in. Um, if you, if you, I don't know, play, oh, I've heard this one. If you play with um, playing cards, like you play go fish, the playing cards or something. So you're going to be inviting spirits in, um, you know, when I was a kid and I wanted to be magician, I was told, no, you need to change it to illusionist because if you call yourself a magician, you're inviting spirits in. I didn't, I was a magician. Um, and, uh, I did a bunch of tricks with cards and somehow I'm still around, uh, still a believer in God and Jesus is my savior. Big old Jesus freak over here. Um, and nothing has happened as a result of me playing with cards. So I think one of the dangers too, on the other side is, you know, on, on the, on the 
witchcraft side is you're wasting your life trying to get power from something that will disappoint and take your eyes off of something that is ultimately has your best in mind and will help you and help your life. Um, but the, the other side is a, 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 it's a culture of fear. And this is what I want to warn the religious side from is if you overbelieve in witchcraft's power, even if I'm wrong, um, at the very least, we can't say it has that much power um, over people. And uh, it certainly hasn't over me. And I've never met anyone who can measure um, the terrible things that have happened in their life uh, and trace them back to witchcraft. Usually they can be traced back to trauma. They can be traced back to bad decisions by terrible people. But very rarely can you show a, uh, a direct line to witchcraft. And so I think if we live in a culture of fear, we're actually going against what scripture tells us to. We're supposed to live in a culture of freedom and confidence. And the way that I see people talk about this, they're so scared of witchcraft and these and the occult, they're actually giving up more power than I think it has. And you know, I'm I'm of the mind that it doesn't have any power. But even if it does, even if there is power there, I think that if you live in fear of this thing, one, it shows kind of a lack of lack of faith that it kind of to me, it implies you don't think that God is as powerful as you think he is, as I believe he is, which is all powerful. You know, that is kind of in the description and definition of God. He is all powerful. And so when there's this huge culture of fear about reading Harry Potter or playing with playing cards or being a, a little kid magician, I think you are raising your kids and, and yourself and you're and you're seeping your mind in this fear that I think is not biblical and not healthy. And so I think there's a lot of help on both sides and it roots from believing in the validity and power of this thing that um, even if it does exist as a Christian, it has no power over us at all. And I don't believe it has any power over, over a non-believer um, past that you're just going to waste your time uh, and life giving your allegiance to something that has no effect in the world. Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. And so that's why I think one is not real. And two, it's, it's, it is detrimental to your life for the same reason that I would say um, uh, uh, astrology is detrimental in life, not because I believe in its validity or its truth, but because you're wasting your time um, looking for the transcendent in something that isn't there. Uh, so I, though that's kind of where I'm coming from in this conversation, where I, what I believe I'm going to be proven wrong. You know, maybe some of you have experiences out there or can show me some data um, show me I'm wrong. I'm always open minded. But in my current experience and understanding of both the biblical, the scientific um, and just the cultural understanding of witchcraft, I think one, it's not real. And two, it is harmful. Yeah, no. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and there's a lot there that I I really resonate with in my experience. Um, I am. You know, reluctant to, I hesitate to say it's all bunk, be, partly because, you know, again, there are places in the Bible where not just prohibitions against witchcraft, but as I mentioned before, where they portray a witch actually, you know, bring back the ghost of someone like Samuel. And so they seem to show these people, these, you know, wizards and whatever, even the the pharaohs, guards, whatever, exacting, able to turn stabs into snakes, you know, exacting actual power. And I'm also hesitate, given that, you know, most cultures, most Christian cultures throughout history, and even today, except for this one, this tiny one in, you know, the West, have tended to believe in it. I hesitate to dismiss that as not true and out of the realm of possibility. That said, my own personal experience, when I look at this, tends to make me see it 
it tends to seem like it's not real because for a couple of reasons, but also that it is still very harmful. It's harmful for a very specific reason. And see if you resonate with this way I put it is that witchcraft is harmful, even if it's not true, because it makes you weak and stupid. That's, <laughs> and I put this as like, it, it harms you by making you weak and stupid. Now I'll explain that more, but there is a, what I see when people practice witchcraft a lot of times is, you kind of alluded to this, typically what they'll say is they'll say, okay, when I practice witchcraft, I do certain things. I use tarot cards or I bless this thing or I pray to this or whatever it is I do. And then because I do that, there will be something good that will happen to me or some, I will see some effect. And like, like you said, it's an effect that could be explained in a myriad of other different ways. It could have be happened something or, and there's no evidence that it was happening less before or less after. It's all things that could be sort of explained in different ways. And that process of believing that, and most like most of the people who tend to be getting into it, and they talk, say this, they say this outright, tend to be people who stuff isn't working in their life. You know, they're not able to find a good job. They're not able to, you know, they feel politically really, um, really uh, alienated. They feel alienated from the family, alienated from the job, alienated from romantic relationships. You know, so they were looking for some control that to access in their life. And they then say, okay, I'm going to start believing in, you know, magic and witchcraft. Maybe that will start things start to get better. The thing is, they will say, oh, okay, here's some little things that got better. But in reality, unless they actually use the witchcraft in order to get people to pay them to do witchcraft, which is another thing that people do, um, their financial situation, all these situations don't actually get better. They're so it makes them feel better without actually their lives actually getting really better, except to the degree that they find community of people around them who they can meet and enjoy things together. All other things that don't seem like they're actually supernatural. There is, um, and I'm going to go back and sort of tie this to the Bible because this is, goes back to sort of another way to interpret, as you said, the way the what the Bible is talking about. But there was a really offensive satirical website that came out a while ago, and I may have mentioned this before on the podcast. And it will be relevant when we talk about other topics in the future. That's called, um, you know, uh, why does God hate amputees? And the whole thing was, we don't any of any of the miracles that we see God doing, or supposedly God doing in the charismatic community. We never see Him uh, do a miracle like regrowing somebody's arm in a way that would be clearly and obviously and unmistakably supernatural. And of course, people throw that at God and, you know, modern day miracles by Christianity a lot of times. But the same thing is true of the witch community. It's like, okay, none of the things that you're claiming are supernatural being heaven are actually things that could, are obviously and unexplainable by any other explanation supernatural. It's all stuff that it seems like you're projecting on this, a placebo effect of some kind. C.S. Lewis had an interesting argument he made in uh, what's, oh gosh, I'm forget blanking on the name now. Abolition of man. Yes. Abolition of man. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast where he said that at the same time, the, the boom in scientific interest, you know, among aristocrats and scientists, all that stuff that happened during the Renaissance and era is at the same time that, that the boom in interest in witchcraft happened at the same time, the same people who are all, and again, aristocrats, 
British men, all English men, all these people were interested in science and magic at the same time. And he said, and C.S. Lewis said, the reason, of course, is because, like you mentioned, Nathan, the desire for science and magic comes from the same instinct, which is I want to control the world. I want to control my world. I want to be able to say, I want the water to be clean and it will be clean. You know, which they were dealing with that a lot about all the, the sanitation problems. It's like, I want the water to be, be clean. And C.S. Lewis says a very, very interesting, which is that the reason we live in a scientific age instead of a magic age is because when they tried science and magic, science worked and magic didn't. The water actually got clean. Bilges act br bridges actually got built. You know, we people aren't flying because of magic. We're flying because of science. And so there's something very deep. We had... Um, uh, Dr. Drew Johnson uh, uh, on earlier is a, a biblical scholar professor to, on our conspiracy theory episode. And one of the things he mentioned is that one of the things that modern scholars have a difficult time understanding is how the scientists, the, the priests of the age in the ancient, uh, that the Bible is written in the ancient Near East, who are out, not biblical, uh, not the Jews, but other people around them. They were the smartest people that we can imagine, so much smarter in many ways than many people today. They knew so many languages, knew so much science, knew so much, had so much education. And yet they still threw entrails on the ground and said, okay, by the way, it lands here. Um, we know that it's uh that the, what's gonna happen in the future. You know, we know, know what's gonna happen in the future. And it never occurred to them that the fact that these prophecies consistently didn't come true. The fact that it might disprove their science of prophecy. And that, one of the things Drew Johnson said is that one of the things that the Jews introduced to the world was, you know, God said, hey, if uh, a prophet claims to be for me and he says something that doesn't come true, he's not an actual prophet. So one of the things that God actually is trying to teach the world through the Israelites is it believes something because it can demonstrate the evidence for it. And one of the things that, and again, the Bible, God throughout the Bible, he's always demonstrating, oh yeah, you wa I want to claim I'm God. Okay, I'm going to turn the serpents into, you know, sticks into serpents. I'm going to cause the, the water to part ways. I'm going to rise from the dead. And it seems like what the witches can't do is produce any evidence that they actually do the thing they're claiming to. There's another example, and I'll shut up in a moment here and get back to you, but it, there's a a, a person who did a similar kind of like, you know, challenge where he said, hey, I want, um, I'm going to claim to be, uh, like, I'm going to give $2 million to a person who can, you know, get the lottery numbers, you know, here through it. And nobody has ever claimed the $2 million because all the people who claim to be able to read minds, all these things can't actually, uh, can't actually know what the winning lottery tickets are in this particular instance. And that's the thing is that, you talked about wasting time. And this is the thing is that when you are doing this, when you are engaging in acts that are, you do, are doing this because you want to make your life better. It actually keeps you from the things that will make your life better. It keeps you saying, I'm going to, it makes you stupid because it makes you say, oh, I'm going to, dis to see this as evidence for my beliefs when that is not good evidence for believing in something. So it makes you more gullible person. And it makes you weak because instead of doing the things that will actually help you get a better job, help you get better friends, actually do helpful political activism, it makes you feel like you're doing something when you are not actually doing it. And so we'll 
we have more to talk about, obviously, but want to bring it back to you and your thoughts on that. Yeah, this is this is great. And, and you spread a lot of thoughts. You know, as I think about one of the warnings throughout all of Scripture, that Scripture keeps on pointing to, and it does it in the very first story, right? Uh, and, the, and the mytho story of Genesis, of Adam and Eve, whether you believe that it's um, mythological, uh, metaphorical, or, 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 you know, in actually historical, doesn't matter. But what we see in this story is we see someone, a serpent, right, the deceiver, promise a couple of humans that if they do this particular thing, they will be on the level of God. They will have the knowledge and power of God. And they were deceived. And that is the thing that in, in our understanding of mythos, uh, our faith, that, that fractured the world, that it was us deciding that we could go after a thing behind God's back and get his power and knowledge in another way. And that broke all of humanity, right? And so the reason that that I would say that um, the belief in or, or practice of witchcraft is detrimental isn't because it's real, but because it's that same desire in us that we want to go to something where we can have the power of God, we can have the power and knowledge of God without actually having to go to him. It's the same reason I would say you, you know, the, the same reason I would say you shouldn't put your faith and hope in politicians is the same reason I would say you shouldn't put your faith and hope in witchcraft. And politicians are actually real. And I'd say don't do that because both of them are distractions, are pulling your gaze and your um, allegiance and your relationship away from the one thing you should put your faith and hope in. And so that's why I think this is a destructive thing. You know, I think um, and. I, I won't bless it. I'll just use it here. But I think, you know, I grew up on a movie called uh, uh, The Prince of Egypt. And you mentioned a couple times about the the staffs being turned into snakes and uh, that kind of thing. And it was what's interesting is The Prince of Egypt portrayed this very well. I know it wasn't perfectly historical and I know people have problems with it, but I do think they got a couple things right, particularly when it came to um, Joseph and uh, not Joseph, uh, Moses and Aaron battling the magicians of the Pharaoh's court. You're playing with the big boys now. And what you see is a fair, the, the magicians of the Pharaoh's court keep on trying to emulate something so they can keep the people believing in them and loyal to them. And what it shows every single time is, you know, when they turn, when they try to turn the river to blood, it's actually just they're, you know, shoving red dye in it really quick. Or when they try to make their staves into snakes, they actually had a snake hidden in the staff and, you know, they'd make it disappear. But they're all magic tricks. It's all fake. And the one thing that we see in Moses and Aaron is that everything they're doing is real. And so, and ultimately, Ultimately, they went out because the power that the, the Pharaoh had over his people was fake. It was based on something fake. It was a fake power, a fake faith. And, and the power of God was real. And I think that was a really great understanding of kind of how we ought to look at a lot of things in our world, be it politics, be it witchcraft, be it idol worship, be it celebrity worship, whatever it might be, whatever is taking your gaze away from God, it was taking your affection, taking your faith and taking your hope away from the thing that can offer it to you. And you're, and you're going about trying to get that faith, hope, control, um, whatever it might be, comfort, whatever it might be in other places that aren't going to do that for you. And, and as Joseph pointed out, that will make your life worse instead of the place that'll make it better. I think that's something um, that you ought to stay away from. And you're not staying away from it because it's so real. You're staying away from it because it's fake, because it doesn't have the power to give you what you actually need and only God can offer. And so, you know, this is a uh, interesting discussion. I'm willing to be wrong. Again, like Joseph said, um, I am totally open to being shown that it's real. Um, I would need some data and some proof. Um, I think that as Joseph really well uh, uh 
really eloquently pointed out is that God likes evidence that he never asked us to believe in anything that didn't have evidence. So if you're going to come at me and tell me it's real, show me some evidence, not, you know, your friend heard from their friend who heard from their friend. Show me some real replicatable, um, replicable. Oh, that was rough. Um, (laughs) Replicable evidence as to why I should think it's true. But right now I think um, the danger that lies in many things in our life is because they're actually not, but they're promising us they are. And so that's kind of where I come on this. And I hope some of the things you said made sense today. Um, you can totally disagree with us. That's totally fine. Um, but I would encourage you, if you have the inclination, like every human does, like Adam and Eve did, um, and everyone since, um, to try to find power and control and hope um, in something that's not God, I just want to tell you, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to waste time and it's going to probably end up hurting you. Um, so I'd encourage you to look to the source of hope, of reality, of um, someone who's worthy of having control of your life. And it's, and it's going to be, and this is why um, it takes um, bowing your knee to God. This is the one reason no one wants to do it with God because no one wants to bow their knee. We all want to find power and all things on our terms. And that, that's the one difficulty about Christianity is all of us have to bow our knee to God. There is someone greater than us. And um, to get that power, comfort, control, understanding in your life, it's going to take bowing your knee. So don't go the way of the Adam and Eve. Go the way of actually going to the source of the things that you really need, even though it's going to be more difficult um, and, and humbling. But yeah, so that that's kind of where I, I end up on all this stuff. But Joseph, I want to kind of hear your closing thoughts about what you think about this, the re- the reality, the, the, um, uh, the dangers, whatever it might be, and to anyone who might be disagreeing with us. Yeah, I would say, so there's a couple of things. Again, like, so I think you made an interesting point about, like, there's, you know, you don't want to push your faith in witchcraft for the same reason we don't want to put our faith in politicians or money or things like that to get our needs met. But of course, we do use money and use politicians, even, you know, or, you know, vote for politicians, even if we don't want to put our ultimate trust in him. But the Bible talks very specifically don't engage in witchcraft, even though it doesn't doesn't say don't have governments or something like that. So there's clearly something different about it. Why is it that it's a ban to on that, uh, even though we should not be putting our ultimate trust in anything other than God? I think one of the things is is this, because it's spiritual. And there is something really harmful about trying to get your spiritual needs met from someone who is not the king of the universe who loves you. And this is where I say is that I know that there's a lot of people here. Again, I've told you very honestly kind of about where my double mindedness on this issue of is about, you know, how, you know, I I know a lot of really smart people who I respect, who believe it's absolutely real and have their stories they tell. And then I have, you know, the reasons I'm skeptical about it doesn't seem real to me. But I'll say this, even if you think it is real, it is the worst possible idea to get involved in what is essentially a sugar daddy relationship with a spiritual being that has zero accountability um, to try to leverage a relationship with a spiritual entity that has no accountability. You can't throw in jail. You can't do anything like that in order to manipulate other people or things in the world. A deal with the devil? I'm afraid so. That is extremely, first of all, idiotic to do. I don't know why anybody would think that's smart to do. Um, But it's also, it does something bad to you because as you said, it is trying to give something that is the exclusive domain 
of the king of the universe and trying to take it for yourself that I can, in a transactional way, get meaning and purpose from a spiritual world. And that does something bad to your soul to if you look at and try to operate in the spiritual realm in a transactional way in that way and try to give that kind of spiritual meaning making to someone other than god that is something that is very damaging so it does it's damaging because it makes spirituality transactional and it's damaging because it causes you to see cause and effect where it doesn't exist and it's bad for you because it makes it so that you see it keeps you from actually doing the things that will make your life better and it keeps you weak so i would just say whether or not you believe it's real it's harmful but i would say if you want to believe it's real we go back to this over and over again try to figure out a way go to the person who actually did love you enough and was powerful enough to actually give you evidence that he is there for you that is what i would say and whoever, even if you're not a Christian, go to the people, run to the people and trust in the things that actually can demonstrate their truth for you, wherever that is. So that's where, where I kind of would. And I would say, ultimately, you should go to the king of the universe for that. That is my opinion. Anyway, so that's that's where I would wrap uh, up my thoughts on it. Um, this has been fun. I Hopefully you guys have enjoyed Spooky Month. Um, so now we are going to move on to Blesses and Curses and uh, see, yes, if there's a work of art, media, or resource on the topic of witchcraft and witches that um, uh, you can uh, we can recommend, i.e. bless, or dis, i.e. curse. So, Nathan, uh, do you have anything on those topics for us today? I do. I went really on topic today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless two movies that I really, really like. Um, one is The Village. I've blessed it before. Um, but in the second one, they're both going to be blessed for the same reasons. I just really like both these movies. One, uh, you know, there's a lot of hate for M. Night Shyamalan, but all of a sudden I think he's getting some more love again with some of his recents. I've always, I've always liked his stuff. I, I think he's a phenomenal filmmaker, a great storyteller. Sure. He didn't, he had some imperfect movies. Yeah. Well, let's see you make a perfect movie, everybody. Um, okay. <laughs> but I really, the way I was introduced to him was through, um, The Village and I, and I loved it because I, I thought one, what an what an amazing way to tell a monster story, um, in which the twist was. If you haven't seen it, here's spoilers, but it's been out for like twenty years, guys. So I'm going. The twist was the monsters aren't real, but because um, you believe they were real, you you devastating things happen to your life. So you believing in something and in a fake monster um, actually had this negative affect on your life that. Uh, that affected you negatively in, in so many different ways. So I think, but aside from that, the acting's great. The, the cinematography is great. Beautiful movie. Love it. Um, and I think it really gets to the heart of what we're saying today. The second one is The Crucible for the same reason. It really won the acting, some of the best acting ever. Um, obviously, this was a play that was just, you know, one of the classics written beautifully, acted beautifully in the film, film adaptation. Um, so aside from the filmmaking aspect, I think the story really gets to the heart of the dangers that happen when we believe things that aren't true. Um, and I think that's really at the heart of this conversation is when we put our faith and understanding and belief into things that are untrue, terrible things happen. So do the work to believe the things that are true. And we talked a little bit of that, about that today, but I just love both of these movies, The Village and The Crucible, um, and the play as well, obviously. So check those out. 
um, if you're not too scared. Um, as far as what I'm going to curse, um, I don't really have any, like, I can't even re remember the plot that well. And I didn't see it that long ago. So maybe that's the reason I'm cursing it, just because it didn't stick out. But some people love this movie. Um, it's where Anya Taylor-Joy got her start, um, and who I really like her acting a lot. I've loved the project she's in. I think she's really talented. But I got to say, and she's, good, and she's good in this too, but I got to say, um, the movie The Witch, I I didn't like it. It was like, I'm sorry. You know, I like, you know, I like scary movies if you listen to this podcast. And it was kind of this period piece that takes place, you know, very rurally with this, you know, um, kind of uh, a family living off of the land and, and, you know, strange things start happening. And I kind of kept on waiting for something interesting or spooky or scary, or at least deep and thoughtful. And, you know, I had some good aesthetic, you know, the cinematography was good, but I just didn't enjoy the movie. So I'm looking for like reasons, like deeper reasons as to why it's bad, but I couldn't not at least, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, episode about witches and witchcraft i i had to bring up the witch and um i'm gonna put it on my not my favorite list so i think you can skip that one um or maybe you can watch it and tell me why i'm wrong because uh, i know a lot of people really really like it but that's just me yeah i think the witch came out at just the right time because it was just before we had the sort of horror renaissance in hollywood and so somebody actually doing horror in an artistic way artistic atmosphere artistic acting all that stuff was just kind of mind-blowing to people but now we have had you know hereditary and midsummer and you know get out and and all of these ones that are doing that but do also having a, a story that uh has climax and payoff and themes and stuff like that so i think that uh i i think that you're right i think people looking back on it will prefer his other work better. Again, I think, um, you know, the Roger Eggers, I think is his name, is his book, you know, The Northman, like was a, such a triumph of his skills. So yeah, so I, I think I think I would agree with you on that. Although I, I do like appreciate what it did contextually at the time of what horror could do. Artistically, I agree with you. It's the acting, the cinematography, all of that is great, but I'm gonna pull an old Joseph line it was just uneven. It just the, the story wasn't there. The, the structure was a little lacking. Roasted. And I agree with you on that. No, I appreciate you learning. You learning to talk film criticism from the resident film critic. You're, I'm, I, it's good job. Uh, in any case, um, yes. All right. So yeah, I'm gonna do the same thing. I mean, obviously, you know, if you heard us talk about, if you wanna, you should definitely read Abolition of Man if you haven't. You know, talking about some of these issues. Uh, if you and uh, yeah, I'm mean, again on a on a, a shallow level. Again, the the movie Sherlock Holmes starring Robert Downey Jr. is a really fun discussion of these the ideas that C.S. Lewis is talking about, showing the era in which the rise of science and the rise of magic were happening at the same time. Those were popular things at the same time, and how all that worked out. I think if you can watch it from that lens, I watched it when I first came out. I didn't love it so much. And I watched it again and i just got really into it, but it does show kind of give you a picture of how the rise of science and magic happened at the same time. And for the, what reasons and give me that picture of that. So if you want that, that's something my big bless of course, actually is going to be, it's a, it's a movie that I don't recommend to everybody because it's not for the kiddies. It is an R rated movie and very disturbing but it's a movie called that just came out, horror movie that just came out. I'm actually blessing and cursing both two recent horror movies. But 
is a movie called Talk to Me. And it's a movie about a young woman and her friends and she's her she has a dead mom and she gets an opportunity through this sort of game that teenagers are playing where you touch a a disembodied statue hand and then you get to talk to somebody who's dead who gets a chance to communicate with the dead and it becomes this sort of you know internet challenge that people are doing and it becomes something that she becomes kind of addicted to because of her fascination with the dead and what i thought was really amazing about it was it showed the reasons that people get into witchcraft and all that stuff and the reasons that people get into just addictive behavior that's unhealthy um, because of a spiritual lack or just the tragedy of life lack and how it's destructive. And again, I think what's amazing about the movie is it shows you how it's destructive, whether or not you believe this stuff is actually real. Because if you believe it's real, every single person I know who believes witchcraft is real describes the process of how witchcraft destroys you exactly the way the movie shows it. How the people that you talk to on the other side don't always tell you the truth and they don't have your best interests at heart. All that stuff. But also how even if you don't believe that, it shows how you're trying to get real important needs met in a way that ultimately is destructive for you and doesn't actually fill the needs that could be gotten and should be gotten somewhere else through reconciling with your needs as a child who lost a dead parent, through reconciling with your needs, believing there's a heaven, whatever, the healthy ways. Actually, just as we were talking about this, I thought of this. Witchcraft is spiritual porn. Well, my Jove. That's what it is. It is a way of getting a felt need that's built for real relationships in a fake way. And that's one of the reasons it's so destructive. And so that's that just, just thought of that during this episode. Uh, that's... That was- I a thousand percent agree. That's a great way to conceptualize it is it it scratches that itch you need without actually asking the uh, the things that a real relationship needs commitment, presence. Um, and so that that's a really great, great way to say. And we live in a world right now where we're looking for immediate access to the things we want in easy ways. And I think witchcraft being spiritual porn is a perfect way to articulate that. Um, all right. So then the curse. I'm going to curse. Exorcist Believer, which, you know, it's not, <laughs> I know, I know, it's not a shocking thing. I'm not super hipster out there. Everybody hates the movie. Um, but uh, I, I, but yeah, it's, it's not very well done. It's, tr- it tries, I, I, I appreciate the fact that it tries to capture some of the tone and desperation and realism of the, of the original Exorcist, but it's just a pale copy of the original. It doesn't have the guts to go as far as it did or be as, and it doesn't have anything original to say, except to say, hey, everybody's beliefs kind of work, maybe, which is the most boring way to do that. And But what I do say is that it does also do the thing where people open themselves up to the demon through witchcraft, which again is the way the original exorcist does. I have this, it's like, so they do that, but they don't have anything actually constructive to say about it or any constructive entertainment to do. Because again, you know, what's, I don't know, like there's, if you just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to have anything to say, but I'm going to have a really entertaining way of doing it. Okay, fine. Fair enough. But it can't even, but they act like they have something really important to say and they can't say it very well. 
and it's just not very fun to watch. So I that's it's a disaster of a great classic franchise. So that's that's why I curse it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, um, but I now probably won't. So way to go. I, you know, it, it gets annoying because if you if you have a friend who's a, a film critic, um, they just ruin all the movies that you'll see. But I will say the benefit is they can save multiple hours of your life that you would have spent if they hadn't critiqued your uh, critiqued things that people love. So now I can't see it or enjoy it uh, because of your criticism. But I am thankful that you've saved me from two hours of having to. Well, there you go. I, I will take it. I will take it. Um, well, anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Nathan, if people thought that we said something valuable and want to share their appreciation, or they want to argue with us and show us uh, why we're wrong about this. So maybe we have some Wicca members of our audience, or maybe we have, you know, some Christians in our audience who tell us that, you know, tell us about their experiences or or, or their arguments for why uh, it's more real than we gave in our episode. Please let us know. Um, but yeah, people, uh, where can where can people go to get in contact with us and get in contact with you? Yeah, they can go to the overthinkersjournal.world and you can send us all of your love and hate mail. And we really are serious about that, by the way. We love receiving the things that you guys like. We love receiving um, uh, ideas for upcoming episodes. We want to cover the things that you're interested in, that people are talking about. We want to think deeply and overthink these things. And also, if you disagree with us, we we don't mind. We, we are open to being wrong about literally everything we talk about. So please send us your ideas, your proof, your evidence, your, your pushback. We love hearing from you regardless. And even if you hate us, we just love attention. Uh, so, you know, just email us just because we love hearing from you at overthinkersjournal.world. You can also um, get on the Overthinkers private Facebook group where we talk about all this fun stuff ad nauseum with other listeners. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me and search me and stalk me at NathanClarkson.me. You can also do all of those things um, uh, on the socials. Uh, just search my name, Nathan Clarkson, and you'll find me. You can find me on any of the socials as well. You can also find me at my website, josephholmstudios.com. You can also find me writing regular reviews about things like Exorcist Believer and other horror films, whether it's okay for Christians to watch horror films, at my regular uh, culture critic column at religionunplugged.com. And of course, I also, if you are writing a screenplay and you want a critic to rip it apart and tell you uh, what you should change so the critics will like it. I also, you can go to my super prof account where you just look up Joseph Holmes and uh, film critic and uh, you will see it there. Anyway, yes. Thank you everyone so much for joining us today. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm -hmm.